Okay, wait, this is the remix. The legal lens is back at it again with Angela Red Eye Bright. Go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID 19, voting rights. The insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk. You know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Remix. Go, 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 go. Give me a late talk. Go, 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 go. Angela Red Eye Hello, hello. Happy weekend, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the third weekend of February 2023, and you are tuned in to the KBLA Talk 1580 Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright Show, where we bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting to you live from Lamert Park, USA, from our KBLA Talk 1580 studios in Lamert Park, which is a part of the famous Crenshaw District of Los Angeles. And guess what? Destination Crenshaw is coming. You want to check out that project and look out for when it hits the street. It's going to be amazing, an amazing art project for the Crenshaw area and for Los Angeles. Many thanks to J-Star for our Legal Lens jingle and the remix. Um, you can follow her for all the great work she's doing in the music industry, industry at J-Star Music on Instagram. And I'd especially like to thank you, our listeners, for joining in, for taking time out of your weekend to spend some time with us as we um, work to shed light on the latest legal policy issues that are trending and that hopefully help you to navigate legal and policy issues in your everyday lives. You can follow me on social medias, uh, all socials at um, I am Angela Redock Wright. And you can also follow the radio station on KBLA Talk 1580 on all socials. And you can hear the other great shows throughout the week and on the weekend. And on my socials, you can hear more about our shows. You can comment, you can provide us insights, suggestions for future shows, and you can see what else we're doing in the legal community. So please follow us. And guess what? You can listen to KBLA Talk 1580 at any time, anywhere on the go by downloading our app. Um, or you can just, if you're a little old school and you still like to listen to your radio, you can listen to us on your AM dial if you're in the Los Angeles area. And if you're like me when I'm home, I simply just say, Alexa, go to tune in and play KBLA Talk 1580 and she will play it right away. And you want to call a friend, you want to call a family member, you want to call a neighbor today, Tell them to download the app. Tell them to tune into their radio through their radio or through Alexa and tell them they do not want to miss today's show because we have an amazing guest with us um, as we continue to celebrate Black History Month. Uh, we celebrate black. We believe in celebrating black history every day because um we have so many individuals in our past, of course, but also in our presence who are making a difference every day, who represent black excellence 
And in the case of today's show, um, I say she is black girl magic walking and uh, exemplified. And that is none other than the Honorable Patricia Titus. I call her Judge Patty Titus. Um, And she just represents all things excellent. And we are so happy to have her in studio looking amazing. I've never seen her where she has not looked absolutely flawless. And I've known you, Judge Patty. I put the um, timeline together. I, it's been almost 30 years, believe it or not, because that's when I was in law school at UCLA nearly um, 30 years ago. And I met you then as a uh, as an attorney already practicing and a graduate of UCLA School of Law, Go Bruins. And you were mentoring um, young law students like myself and other law students. You were young yourself. So it was, was almost like, <laughs> wait a minute, you know, how, how are you old enough to be mentoring mentoring us but um, I remember those days so we've known each other over 30 years and I've never seen you not look 100% put together and flawless and that's uh, true today as you sit here in studio so welcome Judge Patricia Titus how are you? Thank you thank you Angela and it's been a joy watching you flourish over all of these years Thank you. And you are one of the people that I have to thank for that. I remember um, Black Women Lawyers. I don't know if they still have it, but they had something called Fireside Chats where um, practicing Black Women Lawyers in Los Angeles would um, go to different law schools, including UCLA, and basically have fireside um, chats and conversations with Black law students about becoming a lawyer and about Uh, pursuing your dreams as a lawyer. And so I thank you and the other members of Black Women Lawyers of Los Angeles for that time and commitment that you showed to us. And I very much attribute where I am to, to that type of mentorship. Thank you. So Judge Titus, I indicated, I'll introduce our listeners to you more formally in our next segment. But as you know, we're in the month of February, we're celebrating black history. And I believe you are black history, black present exemplified. What does black history mean to you? To me, black history means to celebrate where we've been, where we are, and where we're going Mm. and giving flowers to those on whom shoulders we stand Mm -hmm. the unsung and the well noted but letting everyone know that we are where we are as a nation because of the contributions of black people yes and is there any particular figure or figures in black history that stand out for you as one of your heroes sheroes or inspirations Well, I think all of the civil rights advocates, they had to endure much personal sacrifice in order to make sure that equal justice under the law wasn't some abstract ideal, but something that we as black Americans could hang on to to get our just due. So Thurgood Marshall, of course, Mm -hmm. since he was a lawyer and a judge. And then what about here? I know you've participated in a project in California um, on the history of black judges um, in California. Any black judges um, in California stand out as uh, mentors or inspiration to you? And they could be existing still as well. Yes, of course. Consuelo Marshall. Yes. When I ran for judge in Inglewood, she had been the only black female judge who had sat in Inglewood at that time Mm. so she has always been an inspiration yes and she's on the federal bench right yes she's on the federal bench now 
Okay, good, good. Well, um, we're doing a series on judges. This is the second in our series. And I definitely would like to feature some black federal judges. So you've given me an idea. I may reach out to Judge Consuela Mackey as well as Marshall, as well as some others. So thank you all. um, Thank you, Judge Patty, for sharing those insights and a little bit about your inspiration. And we're going to get into that more. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to The Legal Lens with Angela Reddock, right? And we are continuing our judge series with Judge Patricia Titus of the Los Angeles Superior Court, Inglewood Court District. You don't want to miss this show. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddock, right? Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Welcome back to KBLA Top 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela Redock Wright, and I'm here with Judge Patricia J. Titus of the Los Angeles Superior Court, and that was Fred Hammond with Glory to Glory, Give Glory to God, and Pat. Uh, Judge Titus and I are having church here and giving (laughs) praise in the studio. Uh, We always ask our guests what songs they like, what songs inspire them. And today's playlist is from Judge Titus. So thank you for that starting song. We always like to say we like to have devotion um, in our on our show. So we always start with the gospel song, our inspirational song. So thank you. Glory to God by Fred Hammond. Uh, Welcome. Welcome back. We're with Judge Patricia J. Titus of the Los Angeles Superior Court, um, based in the Inglewood Courthouse. Um, and let me formally introduce her. You heard a little bit from her directly prior to our break. Um, judge Titus, she first ran for judge 22 years ago and has been on the bench um, since then as a Los Angeles Superior Court judge in the county of Los Angeles. Um, sitting, she's currently assigned to the Inglewood Superior Court where she has been since February 2009. Prior to being a judge, she spent almost 15 years as a criminal prosecutor with the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office, which we'll talk a little bit about because she certainly um, left a legacy there. And she received her bachelor's degree from Stanford University and her law degree from my alma mater as well, UCLA School of Law. Um, She's well-decorated, has received so many honors and awards and been a part of so many important initiatives, which we'll highlight some as we continue our discussion. But please join me in a virtual welcome and round of applause for Judge Patricia J. Titus um, as she helps us continue with our Judicial and our court series. So welcome again, Judge Titus. Um, One of the things I know from having known you for a number of years is that you are beloved in the Los Angeles community. Um, Your family is beloved. People know your your parents and their contributions to our community, your sister, and probably even other family connections that I'm not even aware of. But I would consider you a darling of the Los Angeles community. Um, So tell us a little bit more about that, where you grew up. What inspired you? How did you become decide to become a lawyer and ultimately a judge? I grew up in the Los Angeles area, not far from here, the West Adams area. However, we did a lot of our business here in the Murr Park and in the Crenshaw area. So this is a very familiar area, and I don't live very far from the studio. My father was an engineer with the city and also the Jet Propulsion laboratory and he spent a significant part working for Billy G. Mills who was at the time 
a city councilman for the 10th district. Ah, his best friend. Okay. Uh, my mom and his wife were best friends. And then when he ended his political career, he became a superior court judge. And that's where he went from the city council to the bench. Okay. And so that was our experience. And then another friend of theirs also became a judge, Henry P. Nelson. And so I had male judges in my purview. Didn't have any female judges, but we would spend Sundays having conversations around the dinner table. Our families would have conversations, and that just was of interest to me. Wow. So it uh, go ahead. Uh-huh. So then in high school, I was involved in student government. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'm not sure if they still have it, but they had Girls' Day in government, and they had a judge. And mm. so the people who were matching the girls and the you know, women, professionals, mm-hmm. they say, oh, we have a female judge. Would you like to be with her? And I'm like, yeah. I hadn't thought that I wanted to be a judge at that point. But, of course, since I was familiar with lawyers and judges, I hadn't met a female judge, so I wanted to meet her, and it was Vanel Spencer. Who knew that she was going to become a superstar? And on the day I was with her, shadowing her, walking around with her, she got sworn into the Superior Court. And the Women Lawyers Association of Los Angeles had a luncheon, and she took me to the luncheon, and so I was there and watched her take the oath of office. I didn't really know what I was watching. All I knew was I was with a very important person who was taking time to speak to me. I didn't know this was a snapshot of my future, but that's how God operates. Just like David and King Saul, David was anointed to be king, but he was a shepherd boy, but he put it in the in the palace so he could see how king operates. So when mm. it was his appointed time to step into his role, he had an excellent example. Yes. Wow. What? Um, I didn't know that about your background and in your experience. And just for our listeners, you gave a little insight about Judge Spencer, but what um, was she also the first African-American woman to serve in a Los Angeles Superior Court? Um, Los Angeles Municipal Court. Municipal first female court. female um, judge. I'm not sure if Superior Court. But then she was elevated to the Court of Appeal where she stayed until she retired. Yes, yes. Well, wonderful. So you talked about um, yeah, how what inspired you. Or you didn't know at that point that you wanted to be a judge per se. But as you said, God sort of sets things up in uh, his own wonderful way right Right. so at what point um, did you decide to become a lawyer and ultimately become a judge so then just being in school most of my friends were pre-med but because of my background and talking and I actually majored in political science I knew I didn't want to be a doctor so a lawyer was uh, an obvious choice for me because at Stanford it's like you were pre-med pre-law or engineering Mm -hmm. and then business that that seemed to be what people were going into but when I go out to elementary schools or middle schools or even high schools and talk to students about becoming lawyers I'm like do you always have something to say about everything you want your (laughs) voice to be heard are you questioning do you like to write do you like to read and I fit all those things. I always had something to say I thought I could do it better than other people Uh, I like to read and I like to write so those qualities help lawyers become 
um, excellent when they're actually working in the profession. Yeah, though definitely great, great traits. And so, as you you know, last week's show we had Judge Rupert Bursong and Judge Roderick Shelton, both Los Angeles Superior Court judges as well. And um, Judge Birdsong was appointed to the court. Judge Shelton originally ran for the in court. San Diego. In He's, San Diego, yes. right? So, what was your path to becoming a judge? So, I also ran mm-hmm. for election. There was an open seat, and I ran for that open seat. So. Okay. And it was it was great. And I ran in the last Muni Court election. So I ran in the Inglewood Municipal Court District. But by the time the election occurred five months later, all the courts had consolidated. We used to have municipal courts and superior courts, and but all the counties in the state of California, all 58 counties, merged to just have one trial court one appellate court, and then the California Supreme Court. So, ah, okay. so L.A. merged during the course of my election. So right, I right. ran in the Muni Court District, but I was elected to the Superior Court. And I remember your election. I remember it so clearly. You, Whenever we would run into you into the community or an event, you had your flyers. That's you right. were on the road. Vote, vote for me. <laughs> vote for me. And I'm the right choice for justice. Ah, yes, yes. And there was a scripture that shaped your you're running. It was from Exodus eighteen twenty one, I believe. Yes. And that scripture, I looked it up. It says, but select capable men or women from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. How did that serve as your, your inspiration for pursuing office? Well, that described me to a T. It's very important to be fair and impartial, and you want the people to feel that they're going to get a fair shot. So I always endeavor to be fair, deal with the behavior, especially since I'm dealing with restraining orders. Somebody is alleging that the other party is engaging in behavior that needs to be restrained by a court order. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I always endeavor to focus on the behavior but leave the person intact. You made a mistake, you're going to be restrained for three years, but I don't allow the other parties to do the name-calling. Instead, we just deal with the behavior. Was the behavior out of bounds? Does the behavior need to be restrained? Are you able to prove it? And if so, the order goes for it. Right, right. And so once you run for um, judge the first time, do you have to run again, or how is the process to maintain your your role? In California, for the Superior Court, our terms are six years. Okay. Six years. So when I was elected, it's to a six-year term. And then we always have to file the filing fee to for the next term, for the next term. If someone doesn't run against you, then you're automatically reelected, but you paid the filing fee, which is about $2,300. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if someone runs against you then both of your names appear on the ballot. Okay. And then your 20, after your first election, have you had any challengers? No, of course oh. not. Because <laughs> you're so They don't want to waste their money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They don't want to waste their money. And so currently you sit in the Inglewood Courthouse. Uh, so when you, when you, as you said, you when you ran, you were at the municipal, you were on the municipal court and then it was consolidated. So I ran what, for a muni court position. Mm-hmm. I ran for the muni court, but when I was elected, it was to the superior court. 
because the courts consolidated during time, the election. Yeah. So okay. the muni court was abolished by the time I took the bench five months. Well, the election was in March of 2000, but I didn't take the bench until January of 2001. Right, That's right. That's when the term started. And so currently you sit in the Inglewood Courthouse, City yes. of Inglewood Courthouse. Right. Um, and what's your, your current assignment? What types of cases do you oversee? So I have a hybrid assignment. I handle criminal cases and civil cases. For my criminal cases, it's the drug court. Mm-hmm. The voters um, determine that they want treatment for certain class of crimes. So if someone is arrested for possessing drugs, for personal use, a small amount for sale or even sale, they can go through a one-year drug treatment program, assuming they are doing these things to support a drug habit because you can't just be a seller out there making money like Breaking Bad. I never watched that series, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) I don't know if he ever used drugs in the show, but he made it a business. Right. That person can't do drug court. I actually had somebody like that. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> Sellers, those tend to be federal crimes, right? It depends or, on uh, the level. Okay. It depends on the level. But basically, if someone's a low-level thief, um, engages in low-level theft crimes or possession of drugs, even some identity theft low-level, then and if you're fueled by a drug addiction, mm-hmm. then they can complete a drug treatment, drug court program for one year and then okay. get the criminal cases dismissed off their record. Okay. So you oversee drug court and... and then on the civil side, I handle restraining orders. Domestic violence restraining orders are probably 75% of the restraining orders I handle. Then I have civil harassment restraining orders. Those are primarily disputes between neighbors, often over parking and noise. And then workplace violence restraining orders... And also elder abuse. Wow, some really critical um, areas that yes. impact us every day. Yes. And we are, we're definitely going to delve in at least into a couple of those areas. We may not be able to get into all of them. But before we do, I just, again, it's, you know, many of our listeners may not have met a judge or at least not met a judge just sitting down one on one or really interacted with the judge. So I really want them to get a sense of what it means to be a judge. What does your day look like? You, you know, arrive at work at what time? You take the bench at what time? Um, are you on the bench every day? What does your day look like? So every day we have court court every day. The clerk and the bailiff open the courtroom and the people come in. The lawyers talk to them on the restraining orders if they have lawyers. A lot of my restraining order cases are pro per, it's just the parties themselves. So they come in, give them time to get there. They figure out where they are on the calendar. If they're ready to go forward, they talk to the clerk. That usually takes 30 minutes mm-hmm. or so. And then I take the bench and I call the calendar. So every day cases are assigned to be heard on that particular day. And we have a printout. And all our cases are online. Except for the criminal cases, they're still paper files. But they're working to get those online as well. But we have a calendar and then either I have the physical file or the files are on the computer and we just go through the cases that were set for that day. Okay. And do you, on the civil side, do you have to write opinions or decisions at all? No. It's okay. just oral and then the clerk makes the minute order 
okay. um, afterwards. Okay. And, and then it, we're issuing the order, the written order, and that's scanned into the system as well. Right, right. So judges are lawyer, practicing lawyers generally before they become judges. So in California, um, you have to be a law- licensed lawyer for at least 10 years before you're eligible to be a judge. There okay. are other places that have, say, justices of the peace. I don't even know if California has those, but... Um, to be a judge, you have to be a lawyer for at least 10 years in good standing right. before you're eligible to become a judge. Right, right. Um, okay, we are at our news and traffic moment here. So we are going to continue our conversation with Judge Patricia J. Titus. But I have a, a couple more questions just about what it means to be a judge. One being, uh, what's the difference between a judge and a commissioner? A lot of folks go before a commissioner. And then what kind of training do you um, receive? And then we're going to jump into specifics about her courtroom and some of the issues that she oversees. So stay tuned with us. We're talking to Judge Patricia J. Titus as a part of our court series. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal End Show with Angela Redock Wright Show. And we are here with Los Angeles Superior Court Judge, the Honorable Patricia J. Titus, who currently sits in the Inglewood Courthouse overseeing criminal cases, specifically the drug court um, Her uh, in the criminal area is called the drug court. And um, she also oversees civil cases related to domestic violence, civil harassment, workplace violence, and elder abuse. And so we're going to jump into some of those areas. And if you're listening in and you have questions about any of those areas, definitely give us a call at 1-800-920-1580, one 800 920-1580 on our KBLA Talk 1580 power lines. And lastly, that was Whitney Houston, I'm Every Woman, another favorite um, song of Judge Patricia Titus. And um, she represents every woman here today. So thank you for that song. Judge Titus, before we came forward um, following news and traffic, we were talking about your pathway to becoming a judge and what your day looks like. And I just had a, a couple other questions for you in that area. Um, what training? So judges come from all different backgrounds in terms of practicing law. You were a deputy district attorney before, so I know you have a, a criminal background. But what training do judges receive to kind of oversee the specific matters that they they oversee? So we are absolutely trained. We have a judge's college. Okay. We have an orientation to transition from being an advocate as a lawyer to the judge who's just deciding if the standard has been met. The L.A. Superior Court has ongoing training, but starting off, it's a two-week training. Mm-hmm. Then the judges' college is two weeks, and there's judges throughout the state that meet in um, San Francisco to get trained in their upcoming areas. And then ongoing on a monthly and even weekly basis, we just have judicial education series okay. that are handled by the court, by the state organization that oversees mm-hmm. the California courts, and then we have national organizations as well. Okay, that's good to know. So we have well-trained judges. And it's ongoing. <laughs> and ongoing. it's ongoing. We have continuing education credits that we have to have. Good, good. And then another quick thing. Sometimes individuals, they'll be assigned to a ju- someone with the title of judge like yourself or commissioner. What's the difference between a judge or, and a commissioner? So a judge is elected or appointed, elected by the people or appointed by the governor. Mm-hmm. A commissioner is hired by the judges of their court to perform the judicial function. Okay. So they're considered subordinate judicial 
officers, but they are judicial officers, and that's why when people come to court and they have a commissioner, they have to sign a paper saying that they agree to have a commissioner listen to their matter. But right. they're well-trained just as we are well-trained. Right, the right. difference is that we're elected by the people or appointed by the governor, the judges. Thank you. And they sit at the will of the judges of their court, court versus um, judicial officers are actually in a term. Right, right. So deserving of the same level of respect as a judge. Absolutely. Okay. So let's jump into um, an area that you're passionate about. One of the things that you oversee on your civil court is um, issues of domestic violence and civil harassment restraining orders. And you've actually written a book called Friends, um, acronym Friends, F R I E. E-N-D-S for life, seven keys to supporting loved ones experiencing domestic violence. And you've also written a teen domestic violence prevention ebook, both of which can be found on your website, Judge um, Patty Titus, Judge Titus. Judge um, So tell us about these issues in your courtroom and how they come up. What kind of cases come before you? So in my restraining order court, I'd say 75% of my caseload are domestic violence restraining orders. Domestic violence isn't limited to physical violence. There's a plethora of behavior that is considered abusive. Emotional abuse, gaslighting, um, repeatedly having infidelity where you're exposing the partner to random people coming in the house or to diseases, Mm. um, threatening to hit the person. I mean, I had a case where the woman was standing by the big screen TV, which was on the wall, and the um, father of the family busted the TV. But, you know, the TV was right by her face. The Mm -hmm. kids weren't in the room, but they were on the other side of the room. It was the TV they watched. So everyone was terrified. Wow. He didn't hit her, but he hit the TV and threw his fist toward her face. Mm-hmm. So she got a restraining order. And now they don't know what she's going to do. And the kids were terrified. They thought they were going to be next because it's just this level of violence. But right, right. And in, in his mind, his mind was, well, I didn't hit her. Mm-hmm. But the violence in the household and the dysfunction and the breaking of the property, that's considered abusive behavior. Mm. I appreciate what you said because when we use the term domestic violence, we're generally thinking male engaging in some type of violent behavior toward a female. It could be financial abuse, mm -hmm. uh, you know, either way, but financial, one person controls all the money. You, you know, you have to ask me for permission to spend money to get money, but you know, they're the caregiver. They're the ones supposed to buy the food. I mean, just, abusive way of living Mm. and so um how do these court these cases get to your court is it that individuals usually fall call the police make a claim and then the district attorney decides whether to prosecute it or not so we're separate from the criminal process okay and i'm always shocked that someone will forego the criminal pursuit of charges so they can coexist mm-hmm. and simply go for the civil civil side which is their prerogative okay but it's initiated by the petitioner coming to court and filing the application ah. so that's how it's initiated and it's pretty much driven driven by by them so whether there's a companion criminal case it's up to them but they come to court petition the court and we can only hear these matters 
when there's a formal written pe- petition. Often we're in the middle of the hearing, and then the respondent will say, well, I want a restraining order against the petitioner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you didn't file your petition, so I can't consider your request against them. You have to file paperwork, and then we set a hearing. So today's hearing is limited to their you know, request against you. Okay. So they file a petition. It's very lengthy. Most courthouses have a clinic that's hired, that's run by lawyers uh, and volunteer lawyers sometimes. Uh, in Inglewood, we have the Genesee Center that runs to help the petitioner fill out the application. Right. It's like a 50-page application. Really? And you have to be able to fill it out properly so that the bench officer can read it, understand what, what's been going on, and decide if a temporary restraining order should be issued between the filing date and the hearing. It's three weeks between the filing date and the hearing. Three weeks to up to 25, 25 days. Right. So then either it's issued in full, it could be partially uh, entered, and then we have the hearing, and then at the hearing they can make their request for the full request that they made on their temporary application. Okay. And then the respondent, you know, responds. It's so important for people to come to court when they get these uh, orders because in California... Uh, it still remains that if you have a restraining order against you, whether it's civil or domestic, whether it's civil harassment or domestic violence, you won't be able to own or possess a firearm while a restraining order is against you. Mm. You know, that's been in the news. Another jurisdiction made a different determination. But in California, you know, you can't have a gun. So if that's something that you want to stand on, you need to come to court and answer the petition and is another consequence of not showing up at court that would you issue a restraining order against someone if they didn't show up just based on the papers and the information below you before you i can however i have to have proof that the other party's been served Mm -hmm. so we are very stringent about that to issue an order with someone out someone not being there we need proof that they actually were served with the paperwork okay so the sheriff's department serves the documents at no charge any adult 18 years old or older can serve the papers and of course any member uh, any um, professional process server can be hired to serve the papers so if i don't have proof that the party's been served then the hearing is postponed and they only get a certain number of postponements in order before the case gets dropped because it doesn't because it's the civil side the process doesn't go forward until i have proof the other party's been served now if they're able to prove that the other party quote unquote knows and they're actively evading being served Mm -hmm. then we have a full-blown hearing on that with witnesses and if we if they're able to meet that standard that the person's actively evading then I can authorize a different way of serving them. But they still have to be served. Right. But I can just authorize a different method of serving them. Okay, thank Rather you. than face-to-face, hand-to-hand, personal service. Great insights. Gems of information here with Judge Patricia J. Titus of the Los Angeles Superior Court, Inglewood Courthouse. We will continue our conversation with her. Don't go away. Give us a call at 1-800-920-1580. Thank you for returning with us on KBLA Talk 1580. And that is Mary. Mary is the God in me, another favorite of our guest today, Judge Patricia J. Titus of the Los Angeles Superior Court. She oversees um, 
the drug court and with respect to criminal matters and then oversees a number of areas in the civil courts, including issues of domestic violence and restraining orders. And we were she was just giving a, a lot of information, gems of information about domestic violence, what it looks like. And it's not just the traditional understanding of what we have about domestic violence. Judge Titus, just to close that out, um, that part of our conversation out, does it cost to get a restraining order? No, it's free. Okay. It's free. No cost to either party. Mm-hmm. And so the application, you just file it and there's no cost. And you have advice to those uh, who support individuals who may be going through a tough situation like this. Well, that was the focus of my book, What Friends Can Do to Support a Loved One Going Through mm-hmm. Domestic mm-hmm. Violence Awareness uh, or Experiencing Domestic Violence, just mm-hmm. keeping their own notes coming with them to seek counseling for themselves, coming with them to court to be a support person, just to let them know that they're they're not alone and they don't have to you know, be abused. Yes, yes. And you can, again, the name of Judge Titus's book is Friends for Life. So being there for your friends, the seven keys to supporting loved ones experiencing domestic violence. And then you also wrote a book just for teens. Why, why that book? And that's, available as a free download because what I've found is that a lot of people start off in abusive relationships and they just keep picking abusers mm. and I'm always looking at it in terms of why did they get a shot after the first time they showed you that they weren't going to treat you properly right and sometimes it's just in inexperience inexperience mm-hmm. so we teach our young people on how not to be abusive and how not to accept abusive behavior starting off young, then as they become adults, they won't keep picking the same people with those types of of patterns. Wow. Such important information. And I'm glad to see someone like yourself overseeing, uh, being a part of overseeing those types of cases. Um, You also oversee and hear elder abuse cases. Are we seeing an increase in these types of um, issues amongst our elderly? Well, Especially in Los Angeles, where even if your house is a shack, it's worth $500,000. Right. Or more. <laughs> right. The older generation seem to have been able to afford houses. And so their relatives, extended relatives, continue to live with them. So it's grandma that owns the house, but all these people live in there and they're freeloading. So I've seen an increase of elder abuse for the seniors to have adult kids or adult grandkids have taken over their houses not paying anything creating records they may be on substances and now the elders are afraid for their life lock themselves in their bedroom and they don't know if they can get a restraining order to get these people out of their house oh really how do they go about starting that process they've come to court and file a paper Okay, the, and that's the civil process, that's not a, a civil, criminal process. It's a civil process, not a criminal. Okay, to get them in, and in California, if there's been physical abuse, you can get an immediate move out order. So on the temporary restraining order for the three weeks between the application and the hearing, if there's been physical abuse, they can get a move out order. So the person, the police, come and say, "Get out, pick up what you can carry out, and get out." You got ten minutes. And so, and then, but if there's no physical abuse, then you have to wait the three weeks to the hearing. And then you lay your case out at the hearing and then the move out order can be granted at that time, just but not on the immediate 
basis unless right. there's physical abuse. And they have to indicate that in the application. Okay. And both the, the, with the respect to domestic violence issues and restraining orders, as well as elder abuse. And I would imagine even with the workplace violence cases, individuals can represent themselves. Yes. What we call improper, right? Exactly. Okay. So... Um, as a judge, you're sort of sensitive to the fact that they may be representing themselves and, and helping them to navigate yes. appearing before you. And in Inglewood, probably 85% of our cases are proper. Okay. Okay. We are talking to Judge Patricia Day T- J. Titus. You don't want to miss um, the last segment with her, giving us great information about um, some key issues that are coming before her as a judge in the Los Angeles Superior Court. Stay tuned. That is Pharrell Williams happy, and we are happy to have Judge Patricia J. Titus in studio with us today. Another of her favorite songs. She's given us great information about her drug court that she oversees, civil harassment and domestic violence, and elder abuse, something I didn't quite know how that's um, handled in court. What we didn't get to go into is just her time before being a judge. She was a Los Angeles district attorney or a deputy district attorney, and she one of the significant cases she oversaw was involving Dee Dee Jackson, the wife of Marlon Jackson, of the, the ex-wife, ex-wife, ex-wife Tito Jackson, Tito Jackson yes. who was murdered. She prosecuted that case and significantly as a result of that case, the uh, courts now use a female autopsy form, whereas before it was just all male autopsies for even even forms for even for women. And she also was a part of helping to do the initial draft of the safely surrendered baby law, SB 1368, where individuals can deliver their babies safely. So we're going to have to invite you back to talk about that. But Judge Titus, in closing 30 seconds, what advice do you have for people appearing before you? I would just say be prepared and be on time. Bring your <laughs> evidence with you to court. You'll allege all these things and then you don't have any proof we need we need proof we need proof yes and as i mentioned she's written um, a book friends for life seven keys to supporting loved ones experiencing domestic violence you can get that book on amazon.com you can follow her and the work she's doing on her website at www.judgetitus.com and we'd like to thank capri maddox who's been on our show before who said it well she sent me a note judge titus is wonderful she was my mentor and swore me into the bar she's doing a great job so thank you capri and everyone for listening we hope you'll continue to listen to to us next up we have cassie betts with talk tech to me you don't want to miss her show and you want to join us again next weekend at the same time same bad time same bad channel where we continue to bring to you great guests who are engaged and involved in the legal process setting law engaged in policy Um, this show is for you and we look forward to your continuous. Have a great weekend. Smile and show someone love. Signing off, this is Angela Redock Wright. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.